This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Hey, this is Andy Hill from the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, and when I'm not singing Disney karaoke songs with my kids at home, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're serving up a top-of-the-line show. Our grand attraction? We'll sit down with a woman who clawed her way out of a pile of debt and took a trip around the world. From Learn, Hustle, Grow, say hello to Rashawn Lee. Plus, we'll keep this train rolling with a headline about artificial intelligence. How much can you rely on AI to help you plan? And just like the closing fireworks ceremony at the party of the winter, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Christina, who can no longer participate in an employee-sponsored retirement plan due to a job change. How should she continue saving for retirement? And did I forget to mention my trivia? And now, two guys who are the two sideshows in this traveling circus, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Well, I'll take it. You work your way up the ladder, OG. One day you're sweeping floors. The next day you're the head of the clowns. We're taming lions. Everybody, welcome back to the Stacky Benjamin Show for another week. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, spotlights on Mr. OG. Do you think in The Greatest Showman, are you P.T. Barnum or... Zach Efron. I am probably P.T. Barnum. I'm definitely the good looking of the two with the money. And I'm the guy that can dance. Well, arguably 
Zach did a fair job dancing also. He did. Hey, uh, uh, he was swinging around on the thing, with the rope. We got to do that next time we go on the road. Put a little rope out for you. Okay, Zach, me no G. Go get him, baby. <laughs> That'll be this. And then things get a little awkward at the comedy club. Uh, something that shouldn't be awkward, but often is, is the way that you hire people. Don't want to do that wrong. Thanks to Indeed for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on your shortlist of qualified candidates using an online dashboard. Get started today at Indeed.com slash SB. Thanks also to Motley Fool for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Motley Fool Stock Advisor provides two stock recommendations every month to kickstart your 2020 financial goals. Motley Fool's offering five of their favorite stock picks for free at fool.com slash SB. I like the analysis that comes with that. Well, don't need to analyze this. Rashawn Lee is here today, OG. She's bringing it. This woman had tons of debt and not only clawed her way out of debt, but also started a heck of a savings plan and decided it's time for a trip around the world. I've saved all this money. Now let's spend it. Now let's do it. But what what better way to do it, right? Let's live. And uh, Rashawn's got a great message. Can't wait to talk to her about uh, what she's up to. I like watching her and her husband Rob's YouTube videos. Learn, hustle, grow, baby. We're going to learn, hustle, grow on today's show. So let's get started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Investment News, written by Ryan Neal. AI in 2020, artificial intelligence or just plain artificial, said the headline. I'm clicking that thing because I found this topic pretty interesting. While some facets of the sci-fi classic have come to pass, such as voice command technology, and others are currently unfolding, such as the destructive effects of climate change, the dramatic AI advances that fool Harrison Ford still feel a long way off. But that hasn't stopped AI from becoming one of the buzziest terms thrown around by technology and financial services experts. Fintech startups use the word to make products appear cutting edge and established firms find they have to offer AI to remain competitive. I hadn't thought about that, OG. Just the idea, like, I get so caught up in fintech that I don't even think about the fact that, really, I'm not the only one caught up in that. Fintech has become a buzzword. Do people ask you, hey, so how much of this is automated? Like, what what part do you have a robot do? It seems like that's gone from being the outlier to a necessary buzzword in the financial services industry to sell stuff. I've never heard it from anyone ever. Never. No. And I think part of it is, is that it's not the accurate definition, right? We use technology all the time, right? We use calculators to sell financial plans. We use very robust Excel spreadsheets, for lack of a better term, to do investment allocations. You know, we use big computers to do math problems on, you know, efficient, efficient frontier or whatever the case may be. Artificial intelligence, on the other hand, is a little bit more about like learning. It's like a two-year-old turns into a three-year-old, turns into a five-year-old, turns into an eight-year-old and like speeds that process up. And the vast majority of tools that advisors use and people for that matter, don't have that learning compounding 
effect. It's just they'll perform a task that's programmed, but not take that programming and then expand on it. Well, it's funny you make that point because this is the next paragraph. The products they're referring to as AI, talking about these financial services companies, though, are often little more than new data models or even just outright vaporware technology sold on a conceptual level that hasn't been built yet, according to many technology leaders in the advice industry. Vaporware. That sounds fun. There are a lot of packages out there that are more artificial than intelligence, says Raj Madan, uh, BNY, Mellon Pershing's managing director of technology. It's not AI, just pure data analytics. People are taking what you're talking about, OG, data and technology, and they're slapping the word AI on it. Oh, yeah. we have a financial plan, which is AI working on your financial plan. No, no, no. It is... Uh, it's just a really good computer program. <laughs> yeah. The challenges facing the advice industry when it comes to implementing AI are less about obtaining AI technology and more about firms not having the kind of data needed for AI to operate efficiently. That said, AI is expensive to invest in and hard to define. For example, object character recognition in which a machine can interpret text or images from an image or document used to be considered cutting-edge AI, but it's now commonplace. That doesn't mean there aren't promising developments out there. They talk about how buzzy this stuff is and about how big companies that are looking to the future are thinking that AI is the next buzzword. So I think we got to remind people, don't get caught up in that. Well, and I suspect that from a planning standpoint... I don't want my financial plan to be ever changing minute by minute. And you know what I mean? Like it should be pretty boring. We should have a pretty boring financial plan that says, let's invest this amount of money. Let's stay the course. Oh, but the Dow made an all time high yesterday. What does that mean? Nothing. We just keep going. That's what the artificial intelligence should do. That would be really funny. Would be if it, if it was like this super, super advanced you know, computer telling computer you, no. that's like, yeah, we have processed your financial plan. You should keep doing what you're doing for the next 25 years. Not even that. Go a step farther. I have run 9.6 million computations in 99.8% of those sitting on your hands. Best thing to do. I don't do the robot as well as you do. I see that. <laughs> should we just do the whole show that way? The rest of the show. I'm game if you're game. Our next headline comes to us from, oh, that would be so incredibly annoying. Oh, it'd be so hard to uh, listen which, to. Which is what we're already it. hard to listen to. I was going to say, that's what, it, what makes it great. There are, have you ever had that time when there's something that's so damn annoying, you just keep doing it? You just keep doing it. There was a band, there was a band called Corner Shop and they have a, well, they're still a band. But they have a song that I found so absolutely annoying and it just, it was an earworm and I couldn't get rid of it. So I tweeted about it and, and the band retweeted my tweet about how annoying their song was. It's that Geico commercial of the raccoons. It was have so you seen, have you seen the refresh on those? No. Where the raccoons are, the guys like, oh, this is terrible. Here, have some. It's like, no, why do I want to eat it? It's oh, terrible. Right. You got to take terrible. a bite. Yes. Oh, this is absolutely horrible. Yeah. And in our second headline coming to us from the special place in hell department, <laughs> financialplanning.com. This is written by Kenneth Corbin. 
ex-broker. I don't think you mean the, I would say, I don't, I don't think that you mean that the article is from that. It's about a person headed there. Well, it's from the department of, yes, the article's not from there, but it, <laughs> but it is about somebody headed to a special ring of hell. Uh, ex-broker who built elderly woman gets 14 plus years in prison. Former investment advisors head to prison for a long stretch, more than 14 years following a long running fraud in which he fleeced elderly investors out of more than $9 million. What the hell? Just what the hell? Mm. In December, Stephen Pagartanis pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud stemming from an 18 year scheme in which he convinced more than a dozen clients mostly older women, to invest in two publicly traded companies only to launder the invested money through a series of shell companies and private accounts that he controlled. Pagartanis used some of the money he collected to pay out promised returns to earlier clients and what authorities described as a Ponzi-like scheme. Other funds went to bankroll personal expenses, including massages, jewelry, clothing, airline tickets, and cigars. Because God knows you need a cigar after you take the 90-year-old lady's money. (laughs) He also channeled hundreds of thousands of dollars to his wife's failing pet store, which was losing between $7,000 and $8,000 a month, according to a U.S. attorney sentencing memo. There's a lot of people who run businesses like that. Lose a little bit every, every single month and just keep throwing more money after it. Terrible idea, especially when you throw someone else's money after it. Don't just throw my own money. Take the uh, investor's money. Just think if you would have just stolen that money and invested it in the S&P 500, he would have had enough money to pay them back and he would have had all their money. He could have posted bail. (laughs) Could have. (laughs) With the proceeds. Here you go. That's the thing that happened with the Madoff thing, right? You know, I mean, notwithstanding the fact that it was... The worst fraud in history. Incredible. But everybody's made whole. And the reason they were made whole was because the part of the reason was because they just made everybody wait. And if they, you know, they waited long enough, the market recovered and they were able to start paying people out. You know, they sold a lot of his stuff and all that sort of thing. Well, what I was also going to say was that was that they were made whole, meaning they got their money back, but they lost the time value of all that money. Like it was, it was, it was gone. Yes and no. I mean, if you said, hey, I invested a million dollars with Bernie Madoff and then I went to go get my money and they said, there's no money to get. And now they gave me my million dollars back. It's kind of like I put a million in and the market went down a whole bunch and then it recovered. (laughs) Kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm justifying it. I'm just saying like it could have been way worse. But if he had done what he said he was doing, investing the money in the market, it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying it's not all sunshines and roses. It's uh, still might be uh, still might be not great. It isn't as if you gave your money to a dude. 18 years to figure it out. Yes. It's not as if you gave your money to a dude and he invested in his wife's pet store. Yes. Kittens yeah, got kittens, free dog wash or something. Kittens got to eat, man. Kittens got to eat. That's what he just kept telling them. Had it's like, get, hey, I got these coupons here. What are these coupons for? Pan and match my clients. Free, uh, free, free pet grooming. And he's going. He's like, you paid for it. You might as well use it. Shockingly, an attorney for Pagartanis didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. 
He allegedly told his clients he was placing their money in one of two legitimate investments, either Genesis Land Development or Senesta International Hotels, and promised fixed annual returns of as much as 8%. It's an actual security, and they're going to get a fixed annual return. Must have been a bond or a REIT. Or you just you know, lied about it. No, it says it's a legitimate investment, but a fixed return. Yeah, but it lied lie about the return. Oh, lie yeah. about the return, yeah. He induced his clients to sell their existing positions in mutual funds, annuities, and or retirement accounts and turn the money over to him, saying it'd be invested either in common stock of these companies or in investments similar to bonds or fixed income instruments. Yeah, because the stock gives you a set 8%. This is This part bothers me. As I mentioned at the top of this, special place in hell for this dude. But at what point is it your responsibility to understand that a common stock does not have a fixed rate of return? Well, I think, you know, in today's day and age, you have a higher level of scrutiny there. Uh, specifically, this fraud seems to be perpetrated against older folks who may not have participated much in decision making over their lifetimes or or been exposed to a lot of, you know, stock market um, uh, education, you know, like there is nowadays. But this is why very, very, very simple precautions make it so that you never have an opportunity to get involved in this nonsense. That doesn't mean you'll never lose money. It doesn't mean that you'll never pick a bad investment. It doesn't mean that your advisor will never pick a bad investment or lose money. But at least it won't be lost through just straight outright fraud. And and the simple solution here is all of your money has to be at a third party custodian. You're not going to give, you're not going to say, Hey Bill, here's a check made payable to you. Why don't you go invest that for me? Right? If you want to put money in, some people say, well, what, what happens if I want to do a little bit of like an esoteric investment, right? I want like a private equity or a hedge fund or something like that. All of that's, Holdable with those major custodians, Schwab, TD, you know, we even uh, talked Fidelity, about, whatever. We've even talked about on this show if people want to do money into, you know, something that we don't normally encourage people to do, a private business, or if they mm-hmm. want to put money in physical real estate, you still make it out to, you know, we interviewed Dan from Rocket Dollar. You're still making the check out to a third party to Rocket Dollar, not to. Mr. Buddy, the guy who's standing in front well, of you. We, yeah, we don't do any of this stuff because it's just far too risky for our clients. But I remember that there's a, there's a spot in Fidelity on the advisor side of Fidelity where you can actually look through all of the privately held S corporations that are looking for investors. You know, and it's still held, you know, securely at. At Fidelity in that yeah. case, that doesn't mean that that investment doesn't blow up. Right. Because guess what? It's a yes. super aggressive, very micro business and it can go upside down just like any business could. You'll just you'll just lose your ass legitimately. <laughs> but it's going to be a legitimate <laughs> ass beating. <laughs> Instead not... of having your money embezzled. Yeah. So always make your check out to the custodian. If anyone ever says, nah, just make it out to me and I'll invest it for you. Punch him in the throat and run the other way. <laughs> punch him in the I can see the these elderly women punching this dude in the throat. That would have been fun. That'd be some great YouTube video right there. You think Rashawn Lee's videos for Learn Hustle Grow are fun? 
How about elderly ladies punching this broker in the throat? Like the lady from Madagascar movies. You know what I'm talking about? The old lady with the big glasses and she like kicks the lion's ass. Just weapon. Yeah. A great way to understand your investments better is to learn about how some of the top analysts work. And if you've ever wondered how to invest or struggled to understand how to make your money work for you, The Motley Fool could be just what you need. The Motley Fool provides advice and guidance that cuts through the noise of standard business sections and websites and provides you with simple, easy-to-use analysis to help you understand the market. It was started by two brothers, Tom and David Gardner. They founded it out of their garage in Alexandria, Virginia. Both are still with the company. Tom's CEO, and David is our lead stock analyst and board member. I remember when I started off as an advisor OG, The Motley Fool was just getting going, and they had written their first book. And man, I picked that book up, and I devoured it. I was all about The Motley Fool. And over the years, it's been interesting to see The Motley Fool grow and evolve. Motley Fool's flagship service, Stock Advisor, provides two stock recommendations every month, daily analysis and coverage designed to help you beat the market. I'm not concerned, by the way, with beating the market. I do like understanding my investments and seeing how analysts look at the market and investments. Motley Fool's become well-known analysts, of course, identifying leaders and trends before they become everyday aspects of life. They recommended Amazon in 97, Netflix in 2004, Marvel, of course, now Walt Disney in 2004. To kickstart your 2020 financial goals, Motley Fool's offering five of their favorite stock picks and analysis for free to stackers. Head to fool.com forward slash SB, fool.com forward slash SB. I think the lessons here, number one, back to the Motley Fool, understand what you're getting into and please don't trust somebody. And I love your advice, OG. Do not write the check to the person. Write it to the third-party custodian. I think that's a great safe haven. And then secondly, hearing some company talking about artificial intelligence, you should ask yourself the question, is it artificial intelligence? Or just artificial. When I hear the phrase artificial intelligence, I actually think dumber things. You you think not intelligent. Yeah. There's intelligent and then there's artificial. Artificially intelligent. (laughs) Meaning I That's the way that mom talks about you behind your back, by the way. (laughs) So you took 20 minutes to come up with that. I did. It, it took a while. Hey, Rashawn Lee is upstairs. Speaking of mom, talking to mom right now. Rashawn and her husband, Rob, have a fascinating story. They had over $300,000 in mortgages, paid those off in five years. They had huge credit card debt problems. Both of them had student loans. Rob is a Marine. Rashawn served in the military as well. They have fascinating stories, OG, and I can't wait to talk to Rashawn. Rashawn's somebody that we've been, we've been talking about Rashawn coming on forever, and it's about time we got her here to tell her story. So from Learn, Hustle, Grow, you love their YouTube videos, by the way. I should also mention that. That's a lot of fun. Subscribe to that channel. Rashawn Lee from Learn, Hustle, Grow, coming down to the basement. And it's about time we got her here. Coming down the stairs to the basement, it's our good friend, Rashawn Lee. How are you? 
I'm doing fantastic, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? I'm good, but I gotta I gotta ask you this. How long ago did I start talking about having you on the show? I think it's been two years. I think it's been it was two years. Definitely twenty eighteen. Yes. And I come through with my promise like two years late. So I owe you a big huge apology apology. I was like, oh, he's forgotten about me. <laughs> I would never forget about you. Well, thank you. However, we needed to save it. We needed to save your story for today. You know, we've okay. had all those other people on, those losers. And now we're finally going to talk about Learn, Hustle, Grow. Because, all right. Well, well, you and Rob have a fascinating story. And, and, and I want to I start, I guess, with the fun part of the story. Okay. Which is getting into debt. Like getting into debt is a blast. <laughs> I took friends of mine out for lunch and I paid with a credit card with somebody else's money. I bought yes. sweaters from Nordstrom that I couldn't oh, afford. Yes. It was a blast until the credit card came. That's how I got into debt. How did you get into debt? Well, Rob and I both got into credit card debt early on. He was a member of the U.S. Marine Corps and they sent him a credit card and in basic training or as soon as he finished, he was like, yes. <laughs> he, he rubs his hands like he was so excited when he tells the story. And I was in college. I was an undergrad and I was on campus where they gave away free T-shirts, free two liter sodas, the giant candy bar. I fell for all of that. That was, was me. Like, oh, yeah. That was me, by the way. And, right? and, and at the table in our student union where I signed up, Rashawn, there was a line of people waiting yes. to get into debt. Did you have to stand yes. in line? Absolutely. I stood in line to fill out the credit card by hand right there. I couldn't wait to get my piece of plastic. Isn't that ridiculous? No. It was. Yeah. It was. And I charged up every one of them because they were only like $1,000. I mean, what's $1,000? That's nothing. Absolutely. That's a couple of good gifts for people. <laughs> Before you knew it, I had all of the university paraphernalia. So, you know, you had, had to represent the fight in the line. I had to. Yes. So that's what I did with mine. Uh, Rob actually went out. He went and bought jewelry and clothes. You know, when you're in the military, you wear a uniform all day. So you can't wait until you have that time off base and you want to look your best. And that costs money. <laughs> yes. And that's how the credit card started. Then after that, we both had children. Not together, <laughs> but we both had children in our 20s. Before yeah. you know it, you are, you know, paying for daycare and clothes and shoes and all the money you tricked off on the credit cards while you were in college or in the military. You still owe that. Yeah. Well, when you got to the top, when you had the most fun, how much debt had you two accumulated? Oh, we, we didn't talk about student loans. No, we? we do. I'm sorry. We forgot okay. a whole yes, different Yes, yes. College wasn't free. Yeah. <laughs> Shock. Hashtag. You should have said spoiler. That's spoiler alert. So I did have the good fortune. Actually, I joined the military because I want to help paying for college. So the military did help. I had the GI Bill and so did Rob. Uh, I also had some grants at the time and college was much less expensive then than it is now. But I got out with maybe $11,000 in student loan debt on top of my credit cards. And I actually graduated college with my son. So he's been to college twice now. That's that's really cool. Did you did you walk across the stage together? I did. I walked oh, across the stage at seven months. That is awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. And now he walked across the stage last year to get his own degree. So he's out of there. How wild is and that? And then uh, Rob actually got the uh, got the GI Bill, and he was a parent at the time. He married in his twenties, 
and they had a baby. And he used the GI Bill for living expenses instead of for school. Yeah. I used living mine. Living in California, that'll happen. Well, I used, I used mine to buy a computer, get some games, <laughs> like all this ridiculous stuff. Yep. But so it, yes. it, it, yeah. So he had 28000 in student loans on top of that. Okay. Actually, by the time we met, he was in the process of doing charge-offs. Oh, so it had gotten bad for him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so what was the, what was the turning point? Do you remember where you were when you, when you said this has got to change? Yeah. For me, it was actually becoming a mom. I looked at what I earned and what I was, what had to go out as far as paying for daycare as a single parent. I was like, oh my God, I can't do any of these things that I used to do anymore. And that was it. That kind of changed everything for me as far as being able to make sense of what I owed versus what I had coming in. And Rob, on the other hand, I think it was the divorce. They had to make a decision as to who was going to take the debt. They didn't have any money when they went through the divorce. So that's what they divided up. Oh, debt. my goodness. Right. It was completely different. There was no there were no assets. They were young. They were married like 18 months. It was really short lived. That was his turning point. Wow. Wow. Yep. I want to go back to your turning point, though, Rashawn, for just a second, because I always find it interesting how much my life changed once I had kids. Like, I don't know. It's funny because, as you know, it was better and worse all at once. Right. <laughs> I didn't sleep. <laughs> I didn't sleep anymore. Awesome. I know. I couldn't. Then not. <laughs> I couldn't stay up late. They cost me a bunch of money. They cry all the time. Yes. But yes. there also is this incredible sense of responsibility. Like mm -hmm. somebody needs you so, uh, so badly yes. that I got to get my act together. Like I mm -hmm. gotta be, I gotta be a great human being for this person. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was an incredible blessing for me. And I didn't realize how much at the time, honestly, you know, our boys are now 20 and 24. And so we're like, oh, my God, we are empty nesters in our 40s. This never would have happened if we hadn't had kids so young. <laughs> I buckled down as a single mom. I had a job. I was actually interviewing four jobs while I was pregnant. Now, of course, you know, I was growing throughout the interview process. The You have to come back multiple times, right? Yeah. There's like a five-step process in an interview when you're interviewing in college. You meet the recruiters at the fair and everything, and I'm getting bigger and bigger. And so clearly there's really an elephant in the room, and it's me. We are not <laughs> talking about the fact that this belly is getting bigger. My nose is getting wider. My lips are swelling. I mean, everything is changing, but I'm not saying anything. I'm just showing up for the interview. You gotta lay They're out. They're not gonna say anything. They can't say anything legally. Sure, right. And eventually, they just stop inviting me back to interview. Oh. Yes, I don't even think I got you know no letters. There was just no communication. And this was a long time ago. I mean, but we knew what it was. So I shut down the interview process. Gave birth to a child. I started interviewing when he was six weeks. I started working when he was four months. Wow. And was working ever since. Never stopped working after that. <laughs> when you started and now you have a baby, you go on yes. the debt attack. At this time, you're a single mom. Yes. How did you juggle all that? Well, actually, I wasn't going on the debt attack. Initially, I was under attack. Right? Were, yeah, I right, getting, right. And now I can't pay the bills. Yeah. Because I've got to pay for the kid. 
And I am getting phone calls from all the debt collectors, threatening phone calls. Rob got them too. We were both like, can they do this? You know, we didn't know each other at the time, but we both, you know, talk about our experience. And I found out that you can actually write them a letter and tell them not to write you anymore. You can ask for a cease and desist around the phone calls. You can say, hey, the only communication I want from you is in writing. Please don't call me anymore. I did that. And that was a load off just to not get the calls anymore. After that, you know, I just went to work to earn money. And once I earned money, I started to call and negotiate my debt. I deferred my student loans maybe for the first year or so after he was born. And then I started to call in and offer 50% on the credit cards. At this time, I didn't need anything. I wasn't buying a new house or anything. So I just started to make the offer. They would say no initially. And then when they would reach the end of their month and they needed to close out on a collection, they would call me back and say, hey, can you still do the 50 percent? I would say, yes, if you put it in writing, send me a letter confirming that my debt will be clean after this 50 percent, then I will pay it. And I did that through the course over the course of a couple of years until the credit card debt was gone. For people that are listening that are in that situation, how hard was it to make those phone calls? It was easy. They were looking for me already. Yeah. Yeah. I found <laughs> it to be looking the, for me and happy to get the call. Yeah. When I went through the process too, it was easy. But whenever I talked to people there, I was like, oh, that seems so hard. It really, it really wasn't hard. It, I mean, to your point, and it was freeing. Call the number on the collection letter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, tell you what was frustrating for me was that they put it in writing and, and even though they put it in the writing, I got calls maybe starting six months later for the same debt again. Really? The credit, it never happened to me. The credit collection agency took my money and then sold the debt to somebody else. No way. Yeah. And then so I had to produce that letter on yeah. not one occasion after that, but two separate occasions after that. Wow. So, so, defi- so I love the fact that you got it in writing and make sure you keep it around. Make sure you keep yes. it around because you keep might have to around. prove it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now the debt, the debt's gone. Yes. You paid it off. So now you're really on the attack. Tell me what happened next. You know, I'm working in sales. Sales, honestly, was a gift. When I graduated from college with a speech communications and business degree, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was the first, both Rob and I, our first generation college graduates. Me too. Both of us grew up. Yeah. So both of us grew up poor and didn't have anybody to even talk to about college. We knew that um, we wanted to have careers. Right. At this point, we're seeing people going to work on television. We wanted to go to work in somebody's office. That was the that was the goal. So now I have a career. I have a check. I have an income coming in. And now I have a car note. And my first new car was a Saturn. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. No negotiating. That's why I went in for the Saturn. That was my whole thing. I didn't know how to negotiate for a car and I just didn't want to get taken advantage of. I forgot that that was their sales pitch was that you didn't negotiate at the time. Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot that. I was saying nice job because when we moved to Michigan a year ago, I bought a $5,000 Saturn. There Uh, you go. Oh yeah. I've got the the Saturn 185,000 miles on it. It is a, it's, it's a clunker and I love it. There you go. It gets you from A to B. Paid off. So now at this time, Rob is also, you know, buying a car in his in his 20s, but not getting a Saturn, not getting a great deal either. Uh, but he got a car that he really loved and they took advantage of him. Oh, no. And so he had that experience. And then when they had the baby, 
he decided he needed a bigger car. So he traded in the car. It was a little sporty model. I can't think of what it was at the time. Ford Probe, I think, was what it was. Do you remember those? Yes, I do remember those. Yes. Uh, every 20-something guy wanted a Probe. <laughs> so <laughs> he got that car and then rolled it into a Ford Explorer when he became a family man, an SUV. And, of course, he was upside down, and they just rolled him into it. Yep. Have you seen, so, by the way— have you seen that that problem is worse than ever before now? Yes, I saw that in the news. Yeah. People have seven-year car notes, and they're rolling over and rolling over repeatedly. It's horrible. People with a $20,000 car and $40,000 of debt on it. That's insane. Yeah, It is totally insane, and it's, it, it, it's horrible. And, the, and the, you know, that's another bubble that people aren't talking about. But anyway. Not at all. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. We have not had car notes in nine years now. Uh, he drives a 2007. I drive a 2010. Those are interesting stories as well, because that's when you really get to know your spouse when you go out car shopping. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next time you're here. Yes, that's a whole nother story. Yes, that's so, a whole nother story. Digging out. Yes. Tell me out. the tell me the process of of digging out. So I was mentioning the fact that I was in sales because sales is one of the most lucrative careers you will ever have. I didn't know that going into it. What I did know is that they were offering me enough money to take care of my son as a single parent. So I always had a base salary, but then I had the opportunity to earn bonuses. And earning those bonuses made all the difference in the world. So I was able to take my student loans off hold and now actively pay them. So I didn't have to defer for very long. I could actually pay the daycare, pay the rent, feed us, and pay the student loans and have a car note on my Saturn. So I had enough money to exist, survive on my own. Then I relocated from Chicago, Illinois to Dallas, Texas, and continued that path where I just, you know, took care of us and gradually paid off the debt. Now, Rob is at the same time in the- Are you saving any money? I am not saving anything at At, this point. At at, at that point, everything's going toward the debt. I may have started- my 401k at this point, and okay. all I'm doing is the matching. Okay, gotcha. I'm doing the 401k and the matching because somebody said, hey, at least put in for the minimum. At least get the match. Take the free but, money. you know, daycare and having having a child, I was paying double basic, and I was paying double rent, mm-hmm. right? Because I had to have a two-bedroom where everybody had a one-bedroom. So we're, we're just existing, and I'm thrilled. I am thrilled because I'm doing it. I am taking care of this kid all on my own. And I am paying these bills. And that's all I'm thinking about. I relocate from, you know, Chicago to Dallas 20 years ago. And then he relocates to Texas after reading online that Texas was a great place to live with a good cost of living and a place to buy real estate. So did he, let me get this straight. Did he, <laughs> did he have a job in Texas? Nope. He just, you know, researched online and thought, It'll get me closer to my son. His son at the time was in California and he had been in Virginia. So he'd moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. So now he's halfway. Now he's halfway. Yeah. Coming to Texas. That's a powerful thing because, as you know, when people talk about people that have debt or they're struggling to make ends meet or Mm -hmm. um, trying to get by, the very easy answer seems to be, you know, by people that I think want to make it real easy. Oh, just get up and move. You know, just, just, just just go ahead and move to a place where there's more, where there's more opportunity. But Rob actually did that. 
He did. Texas spoke to both of us and uh, we answered the call. We became Texans. How did he feel making that move? Yeah, he called his sister who knew a guy who lived here. And the guy said, hey, sure, you know, love your sister. I've got an empty room. If you want to be my roommate, I'd, I'd love the, the help paying the rent. And that was how we came and uh, got here and started looking for a job, found one. Texas, uh, the DFW marketplace is the only thing I can speak to because I haven't lived in any other major metroplex within Texas. But we've always had a great job market. Yeah. Yeah. So we hadn't, even in the downturn, I never experienced any unemployment. Now, Rob actually did get laid off working for RIM, but because we had our emergency fund, you know, we were okay. So it was actually us coming together that started our path to saving and investing to leave corporate America. When the two of you got together, were your early discussions about independence, about hustle, about mm. tell me tell me when these conversations started because I think of the two oh, of you yeah. and I think of the two of you as people really with a very strong focus on the future. So at this point, we meet in two thousand eight, and we actually meet at work. I was a fixed income broker at an online trading company, and he was the IT guy. He sabotaged my computer. <laughs> 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 and as, as a way to come over to meet me, this is how we met. That is smooth. So, yes. Yeah, so he just, you know, pulled something out. It all went down and he had to come over. He he asked everybody else on the team to ignore my request for help when I called in for IT support. That is funny. And yeah. And he came over and that's how we met. He basically interviewed me. <laughs> and he asked me a lot of questions about who I was and what I want. I was like, this guy is nosy, but I didn't want to be rude. And I just wanted to appease him so he would go away. Please. <laughs> and today we have been married for 10 years. That's funny. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So 2008, he breaks my computer. We meet, we go on our first date or we become a couple sometime in February of 2009. And while we are talking, you know, about our relationship and our future and what we want, I said, well, let's pull out our credit reports. Really? Yes. Before, while you're dating. While we're dating, before we got engaged. But wait a minute. <laughs> so you don't know his shell game house of cards yet, right? Nope. You don't know any of this, but you know that your credit hasn't been perfect. No. So I'm thinking being a guy who likes games a little. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about Rashawn's hand right now, thinking, I don't know that I want to show this guy my hand. Yeah. Why, why did you want to do that? Well, he had been very honest and open about the fact that, you know, he had had credit card debt and was cleaning it up. I knew about the divorce. You know, we are meeting in our 30s. Yeah. So the games that you play in your 20s and the, the secrets, at least for us, we just I wasn't who we were. Yeah. We were very upfront about who we were and what we wanted. And this guy was like, he wanted to look at houses. During our dating process, he was like, oh, let's go look at houses. And I was like, I have a house. Why are we looking at houses? So I think the house, the fact that he wanted to do house shopping indicated to me that he was pretty serious. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, if he's trying to take this relationship to the next level, we need to look at this credit. <laughs> we should probably look at credit before we look at a house. Rob talks all the time, he even wrote about it, the fact that he had a credit score in the 500s. 
he learned what to do to improve it. He went online. Robert Lee is a mad researcher. If there is anything he wants to know, he is the guru of figuring it out. And I'm telling you, that is a blessing because, do you know the book, The Five Love Languages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so mine is Acts of Service. And I did not know that until my husband read the book first. Figured it out because he was like, she likes it when I do stuff. <laughs> so he researched this book. He researched coming to Texas. He researched how to repair his credit. He went through all the components of a credit score and I mean, he was he was just that guy. And he always has been and has continued to be. He found Bigger Pockets, the podcast, yeah. which kind of got us on the path to investing. He was listening to that podcast for maybe two years before I would listen to a single episode. Really? Yep. And they're fun. Yes. I was just so swamped at work. When you are in a corporate sales gig with a huge quota, it is very difficult to pull yourself away from yeah. things that are non-work related. Yeah. I felt like I was working all the time. There was no cutoff date. They give you a laptop. And when you're young, you think that laptop and corporate card are fantastic. It's not until, you older, until you're older that you realize they're handcuffed. It's a chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and also, you know, to an outsider too, I would think that a show like that or even a show like ours, it just sounds like more work, right? Yes. I got done with work. I don't want to do more work. <laughs> you kidding me? I, I want to, yeah. when five o'clock comes, I want to go have some fun. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the fact that this Marine, by the way, is looking mm -hmm. at love languages says a lot. Just saying. Yes. So, uh, he's, he's a unique guy. I am very fortunate. I'm a Marine and he's an IT guy that talks. Yeah. Remember, he came over and talked to me. <laughs> and looked you in the face. I've talked yes. to Rob. He looked me in the, he didn't look at my shoes. You know, yes. they say that my son's an engineer and they say the outgoing engineer is the one that looks at your shoes while he talks. Right? <laughs> so, yes. Yes. <laughs> IT guy's kind of the same thing. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, he's a unicorn. He is. So if he's on bigger pockets and he's mm -hmm. into saving now, I'm assuming then you guys now are starting then from the moment you're married, you're starting to stuff money away now. Ah, oh, that's a good assumption. But no, no. When we were going through the whole process of premarital, we also went through premarital counseling. Right. So I knew what I, we knew. We both knew what we were getting into. But I uh, he was the spender and I was the saver. And saver in the sense that I had a retirement account. I didn't have any other savings, but I was debt free at this point. I paid off the credit cards, the student loans, and I was just proud to have reached this point. And I was a homeowner. And Babe was still a spender, but he had goals and aspirations of becoming a real estate mogul. Yeah, he's filling his mind he with this stuff be, now. Yes, he yeah. wanted to be a real estate mogul. And I wasn't there yet. And I was like, okay, well, we got to pay out. We got to pay off these student loans and let's create a plan. And we created this convoluted plan before we got married, plan of percentages on how we were going to manage our money. I was going to pay this percent. You're going to pay that percent of what we earn. And then we're going to put it all. It was a mess. I was going to say, even people can't, I mean, this is an audio podcast, so people can't see the look on your face while you're saying yeah. that. The look on your face, Rashad, says this thing was a dumpster fire. It was. And you know, it was pretty much led by me because I had never even lived with anyone before. Yes, I was a mom, but the only person I'd lived with at this point was my son. And I'd only been responsible. I'd been responsible for all the money and doing with it what I wanted. And now there's another person, you know, coming into my life who also has an income. And we've got to figure out how to do this together. 
And it was like, eh, this guy spends money. I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> and I was reluctant. We went to counseling before we got engaged. Wow. And was that your condition as well? No, no. Rob likes to be prepared. Yeah. He's like, you know, I need as much information as possible before I go forward with anything. And he was like, uh, this time I want this to go right. So I am all about doing whatever it takes to make this, to do this right. I like so the, actually, the, I'm sorry, not to cut you off for Sean, but the piece no, of your story no. that I like, because I just like stopping from time to time so that, you know, because I listen to podcasts while I'm out running and sometimes yeah. I miss the big point. I think a big point that I really don't want to run by is the fact that you guys are able now to go fast because mm-hmm. you went slow at first. I mean, yes. you're really, at this point in your life, you're really focused on the foundation. So yes. initially it feels like you both built your financial house on cards like I did or on sand, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, taking credit cards and buying stuff like I did. But then this time, I feel like there's this real commitment that you're not going to make that mistake again. That's right. That's right. We were both committed to doing things differently. So he proposes while we're in premarital counseling, uh, we have a destination wedding because that was the most affordable option for having a beautiful wedding. Um, We're in our 30s. We still want something that we can have great photos and look back on, but we don't want to pay, you know, $40,000. So you found, uh, I'm assuming then that's like finding a beach somewhere. Destinationweddings.com. We're on the website and we got married in Riviera, Maya, Mexico. Oh my God. That's great. (laughs) We are all about the internet. (laughs) What did your relatives say when you said, hey, we're going to get married in Mexico? There were some people who were not happy about it. We gave them eight months to plan and pay on it. Uh, We actually were going to start with six months, but then we thought, okay, let's give people a little more time. But eight months wasn't enough because people just don't manage their money. Sure. That's just the truth. You know, it was a $1,500 weekend, you know, all inclusive and airfare. And in eight months, a lot of people couldn't come up with $1,500. So there were definitely people who were bothered by it. So the total wedding, including Rob and I, was 20 people. Wow. Yeah. 20 people. And we were $10,000 out of pocket, including dress and his suit. Wow. Much less expensive than the average. Yes. So. Yes. Now. And we paid for it before we left. It was all paid for. But yes, now we're married. And I'm going to ask the question now for the fifth time. Is this where you start really laying on the savings? No, we go to church and he hears the message about two shall become one. And he's saying, we are not managing our money according to the way marriage is defined at church. You have your money and I have my money, but we are not managing this money together. And I'm looking at him like a deer in the headlights because I understand what he's saying. I heard the message, too. I was hoping that he didn't understand the message. Like he hasn't been to church in a long time. Maybe he's not really grasping this, but he did grasp it. And I said, well, I need a moment. I was like, you know, I can't just jump into this. Can you just give me a moment? Give me some time to pray about it. And he said, okay, fine. I knew I had to take some action to figure out, you know, what I was going to do. And somehow I'd come across, I was talking to my manager at work. I knew that he had been debt free or something. And he told me about the Dave Ramsey total money makeover. He was like, we did Dave Ramsey. My wife and I, you know, paid paid off my law school debt by eating beans and rice. I was like, beans and rice, what? But whatever. Okay, you got a book. 
So I came back with Dave Ramsey Total Money Makeover. And I'm telling my new husband, hey, if you are willing to get some financial education, then I am all about joining our finances. And he was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Easy peasy. Because the super researcher is also open to new information. We hear about it all the time, how you can't get the other spouse on board. But he was like, yes, I'll listen to it. We listened to the audio book commuting to and from work, and we would come back and then discuss a chapter. We finished the entire thing, and we were on page. He was like, oh, my God, debt is dumb. This guy's brilliant. Now we are ready to join our finances. We got married April 26th. We opened our joint account June 1st. And then and you then, started saving. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to fast forward. Because yeah. of the fact that last year you guys did something that a lot of people want to do, tell everyone what you did. So in 2018, Rob and I both left our corporate jobs after paying off our mortgage. And we decided that we were going to spend a year traveling the world. Walk me through the math on that. I mean, how do you decide that you're going to be okay with letting that income stream go? At this point, we have now accumulated four single-family homes as far as investment properties. Uh, we have maxed out our 401ks. Uh, we have saved in a 529 for college education. Our oldest is on schedule to graduate college in 2019, and our youngest graduated high school in June of 2018. So we thought, we got major milestones coming up here and we want to be entrepreneurs. If we want to travel the world, do we do it after we become entrepreneurs or do we do it before? It seemed to make sense to us anyway, that if we could pay off the mortgage, we should go ahead and travel before we get engulfed by the entrepreneurial experience. Because as you know, as an entrepreneur, you work a lot. You may work even more than you worked for your corporation. Sure. I know you probably heard this, Rashawn, but but there's that definition of an entrepreneur. It is somebody that'll work 70 yeah. hours to avoid working 40 hours for somebody else, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And basically, we knew that. We researched. We listened to all of our podcasts. At this point, we are fans of Paula Pant. We are listening to Stack and Benjamin. So now we know we get some idea of what you guys are going through on this money and media thing. We're thinking, oh, maybe we'll start a blog. Maybe we'll do YouTube. He's a licensed realtor. He actually started real estate as a side hustle while he was in while he was an IT guy. Right. So we're buying real estate as investment properties. And we're thinking we're going to buy a lot more of these. One of us should get a license. One of us meaning not me. Not you. <laughs> I was already in this overworked sales job, whereas in IT, that job had an end, right? At the end of the day, there was no more IT. When he came home, he was done with work. So he had, he studied online to get his real estate license. And before he knew it, he was a realtor and we were able to close deals and keep the commission. Excellent. Right. So now we know that we have the opportunity for him to become a realtor and to travel the world. And I said, well, if we're traveling the world, I've heard that, you know, you can be a home-based travel agent. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll make that my, my business, you know, since we're traveling anyway. And I'll learn about all these places. He was like, okay, cool. We find out about this online service in teletravel where you can sign up to become a, a home-based travel agent. 
you have to have a sponsor. I do this through a friend and now I am a travel agent. So now you're getting then deals on traveling the world. Yes. And you know where to research. You're part of that community. So I have access to all the behind the scenes tools as we book our travel around the world. So I'm getting the travel agent discount to travel. And I know the packages that we need or when we don't need a package, we just start hopping around. We made the decision that we are going to ring in the new year on another continent. And we started in Argentina. We rang in the new year in 2019 in Buenos Aires. I'm going to ask you two questions about your travel because we could do a whole episode on that. Yes, go ahead. And and, and we've already done like two episodes worth of stuff here. But the uh, favorite place you went to around the world, place you can't wait to go back. My favorite place was Patagonia, Argentina. Mm. Argentina. That was mine. I loved walking on the icebergs. For me, that was just the most incredible experience uh, I could have ever had. Rob's favorite place is actually Iceland. So we both picked two ah, cold places. That's funny. <laughs> Cheryl yeah, and I went to Iceland. Cheryl and I went to Iceland. We were only there for 24 hours. We did oh. we did one of these um, Iceland air trips where okay. if you spend the night you get a much cheaper rate yeah. to to, yeah. to fly and that was that was great. Biggest horror story from traveling around the world. I really loved Egypt. However, you know, it's, it's a total culture shock. I love Egypt because the pyramid, the Sphinx, the tombs and all the you know history that you're getting to embrace. At the same time, we just were not prepared for just life. So the, dip, the difference in life, I'll give you some examples. We're driving down the highway to leave from the airport to go to our hotel. And there are whole families holding hands running across a four lane highway. Oh, Lord. Yes, that was my exact response when I saw it initially. Then we get to the hotel and they're screening for weapons and bombs. Then when we call for an Uber, the first one that comes to pick us up is a car that looked like it had just been pulled out of the dumpster. I mean, we didn't want to offend the guy by saying no to the ride. So we get in. (laughs) When we get in to sit in the seats in the back, Joe, Something stuck me. Oh, no. Yes. So now I'm not really sitting in the back seat. I'm kind of sitting on the edge. You think you're going to I'm afraid you, of you what think, might be in the seat. You think you're about to die. Right. I don't know what's going to like. Jeez, I've been stuck. I don't want to offend the guy. You know, you don't want to be those rude Americans. <laughs> then we go to see the tombs in Luxor. And while we're looking around, there are some guys waving us over. Oh, some strangers. We don't know. They're like waving us over and we're like, "Mm, I don't know. So we don't go over there. But again, we're trying not to offend. We we were videoing for YouTube. But that was probably one of our more scary experiences. But nothing happened. We were fine. You were there, too. Not that long after Egypt had just reopened for tourism. So, yes. So they, they hadn't seen tourists in a while or not that many. Uh, right, so we were, were easily recognizable as such. Yes. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Uh, you guys have an ebook uh, that can help other people go through a lot of the stuff that you went through. And people can find it at, at learnhustlegrow.com yep. uh, forward slash store. Yep, you got it. How about that? Tell me about it, though. 
So this is a practical ebook that act, that takes you through the actions as far as how to save money and build wealth while you are paying off debt. I think that's the biggest struggle for most of us, right? There are a lot of plans out there that just say, you know, stop everything. But one of the things about Total Money Makeover for us was that it was a good foundational guideline. We actually modified it significantly to work for us, which means we never stopped saving in our retirement accounts. And we gave ourselves an allowance because we were adults joining our money and we couldn't imagine, you know, not having money of our own to spend. So those are a couple of the things that we talk about in the ebook, how to save, how to pay down debt, looking at the options between highest interest versus the snowball and figuring out what works for you. And we give you practical steps and guidelines. Hey, if you're here, then do this. Great. Move on to this next. Here are some ways that you should consider saving money. So we kind of just go through it and uh, it's a great place to get started. I think it's awesome. And I love it. The fact that it's a book about stuff that you guys went through. It's not some, you know, this is uh all going to be rosy fantastic it's it is it's yeah. it's based on real life which i yeah. find fascinating based on our real experiences okay let's not let it be 2 years until we talk to you again deal absolutely <laughs> rishan thanks for hanging out with us and talking about your journey a little bit i can't wait to see what you guys do next oh thank you so much we are really excited and uh, looking forward to the next phase of grow Hey there, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And you know, earlier, I promised you a mid-show break. So sit back, relax, have a pop on the house while you imbibe in my incredible trivia. Oh, oh, hungry? (laughs) Joe's mom has some free pretzels upstairs. Uh, You know, just don't let her catch you digging through her snack bowl. She just... Well, we've been all over the place on today's show. So that got my noggin thinking about roller coasters. Uh, Of course, parks all over the world are gearing up, hopefully, to make a little money on 2020 adventures. And while Stack and Benjamins may be the biggest money show on earth, got me thinking, uh, and pay attention here because your trivia question's buried in here somewhere, which theme park attraction holds the claim for being the tallest roller coaster on earth? I'll be back with your answer right after I sneak us some of those pretzels. so violent all the time. When you start your hiring process, you probably have questions. Are you going to find any good applicants to choose from? Where will you find them? What about education and experience? And how will you know that you made the right hire? Well, Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants fast. Sponsored jobs on Indeed accelerate the hiring process even further, boosting your post with premium placement relevant search results, helping you reach even more applicants. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com forward slash SB and find out why more than 3 million companies use Indeed for hiring. Post your job today at Indeed.com forward slash SB and find out why more than 3 million companies use Indeed for hiring. That's Indeed.com forward slash SB. 
Welcome back, theme parkians, theme parkers. Anyway, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and you're listening to a theme park ride for your ears. Am I right? My trivia. If you're wondering why you don't hear me munching on some delicious pretzels, it's because that darn cat Cooper sold me out. It was, I was, I was this close to getting back to the basement door when the pesky cat swipes a cup off the coffee table. Of course, that wakes up Joe's mom in her rocking chair, and there I am, standing there with your pretzels. Even though this is all probably your fault, I'll be magnanimous and just hand over your trivia answer. Question was this. Which attraction holds the claim for the tallest roller coaster ride on Earth? The answer? Theme park profits are hard to come by lately, so as even Six Flags this month announced dismal results for the quarter and a tough time overseas, so uh, you know if you thought it was an overseas park like Ferrari World's famous uh, uh, Rosa Formula Rosa, I wouldn't blame you, but that's the fastest roller coaster, not the tallest one. The real answer? Kingda Ka is a roller coaster located at Six Flags Great Adventure Amusement Park in Jackson, New Jersey. At 456 feet tall and a 0 to 128 mile an hour launch in just 3.5 seconds, the ride is almost as good as listening to the Stacking Benjamin show, or, you know, at least almost as good as my trivia. The rest of the show is in the, you know, in the tank, but the trivia, top notch. Let's see if I can go share this little tidbit with Joe's mom and maybe, just maybe, earn ourselves a handful of snacks and a little of our dignity back. See ya! Big thanks to Rashawn for dropping by the basement. It's about time, OG, that we had her on. A couple things that I want to that I want to note here. They were interested in real estate. I like the fact that he got his his realtor's license, OG. Because even though they keep the, you know, over the short run, you just go keeping that commission. Okay, that's that's great. What I like more about it, it's this dedication toward the goal to know enough about it to dig in, right? And I also know them well enough to know they still have super smart people around them when it comes to real estate. They're in all the real estate forums. I see, I see them all the time. They uh, ask questions a ton of the right people. But this idea about going and getting the license and Rashawn. It's investing in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great idea. Rashawn also, as they're going around the world, she becomes a travel agent. Same thing. You can see there, let's investigate this stuff. Amazing. If you could go one place around the world right now, we heard their favorites, Patagonia and Iceland. But if you had a chance, if you went around the world like they did, what would your number one place be? Well, as I've never been around the world, I no, have a limited saying, experience, wh- but where would you love to go as a new place? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not into new places. I like to do things I've already done. So specifically this weekend, because of the fact that it's the Cayman cookout and I'm not there and I had to hide all that stuff from my Instagram stories because I was, I was actually feeling pretty ticked off the other day, I would, you too. know, and it's all, you know, it's, I mean, it's it is super what it selfish, is. right? I can't, I can't go cause mom's sick. Sure. Right? So like how, right. how bad do I feel? <laughs> and she's visiting, which is great. So she's here. So she gets to be on vacation, but I don't, damn it. Had you um, been to the Caymans before last year though? No. And it's you had a great time and now you want to go back. But doesn't that make you think like, even as you're saying that you're like, I like doing things I've already done. 
But yeah. last year you went and you did this brand new thing and it was flipping awesome. Yeah, but that's probably a once in a million chance. So <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm crazy. That is so you, between your ears. Y- y- yeah, it, it is 100%. I don't know. I mean, I like doing stuff, but I like doing my own stuff. Cheryl's we talk- did a guided trip, you yeah. know, when we did that uh, Yosemite thing. Yeah. And that was surprisingly better than I thought it would be. Like, I was dreading it. Yeah. Because we are, you know, we do the whole, like, we get to our vacation and we sit there. I'm not interested in going on a tour. I don't want to see what the downtown looks like. I don't need to go into the coolest building in town or the museum. I, I just want to, I want to do my own thing at my own time. And that trip was very surprising in terms of how much I liked it. So the first time we did one of those adventures by Disney trips, I was, I was super surprised by how much I liked the, uh, but you know what, in fairness to them too, they give you enough time away and downtime that I don't feel like structured, but not, yeah, I don't feel like I'm constantly have to be with a bunch of people. Um, they -hmm. put you together just enough so that by the second or third day, you kind of gel, you know, you gel with the people around you and you feel like you're one big family on both of those trips, which showed me that it's a system that they have, right? It's, oh, a, yeah. it's, it's not their first rodeo, man, just hearing about them going around the world. Cheryl's talking about, you know, this year we're headed to see autumn. And even though Cheryl wants to go to South America at some point, she said, you know, with autumn still being in Japan, she wants to go back to that part of the world. So now she's talking about stuff that's up my alley, Tahiti, Bali, American Samoa, I'm excited about that. Let's go lay on a beach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. The problem is getting to some of those places, especially from where you are in the East Coast. It's like, holy crap, Ola. I know. But if Autumn's there and she can go with us, you know, it's a chance to do something fun that's close for her. And yeah, great time. Great, great time. And and it's funny to hear Rashawn, you know, she peeled that off. They're not where they want to be yet. But they've got their debt paid off. They have a strategy. You know they're going to get it just based on based on who she is. They're going to get their goals. Mm-hmm. It's yep. uh, it's it's great. Go live now. Hey, let's start with Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency they put what you value first. Would you say uh, Cayman style cookouts? Or is that rubbing salt in the wound? Uh, it kind of is right now. Yeah. Sorry about that. Lionfish and. Caviar. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It's your loved ones and your time with unlimited supply of champagne. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's why they've made buying quality term and life insurance actually simple. Imagine your life insurance result if you got to take the physical the day after that. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash haven life now to get a free quote. No, seriously, I had fish. <laughs> uh, sir, this is fish soaked in alcohol. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> your blood is fish soaked in alcohol. It was supposed to be. Dang it. Yeah, duh. Uh, their application is simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. No waiting several weeks. Super customer service. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to Christina. Say hi, Christina. Hi, guys. This is Christina. Thanks for taking my call. Due to a job change, I'm no longer eligible to participate in an employer-sponsored retirement plan. So what would you recommend as best way for me to continue saving for retirement on my own? Also, what should I do with a SEP IRA that I have from a previous job? Leave it? Move it? I don't know. What do you suggest? Thanks. 
Thanks for the question, Christina. So job change. What do you think there, OG? Well, it's good. You got to take uh, responsibility for your, your own savings and investing. The two things that come to mind for retirement savings would either be a pre or after tax retirement account, right? So you're talking about either a traditional IRA if you need the tax deduction or a Roth IRA if you want the tax-free benefit in the future. And I think almost always people will select the Roth side of things. So that takes care of the first 6000 a year, uh, 7000 if you're over the age of 50. So that's kind of the first check mark that I would look at. The second thing that I would consider would be make sure that you're taking full advantage of your HSA plan. If you have an HSA uh, through work or if you have an HSA through the uh, marketplace, uh, you're eligible to contribute to that. $3,900, I think, if you're single, $7,100 if you're uh, married filing joint on your taxes. So there's another, you know, seven or $4,000 depending. And that money works just like a Roth IRA as well. Now it's specifically designed for healthcare expenses, but you know, like we've talked about, it's a really great uh, tax-free account for the future. After that, then you're beyond any qualified retirement plan type products. Then you're into your regular uh, investment savings, brokerage account, that sort of thing. I would also add, just make sure that you're taking advantage of this for a spouse. If you're married or have a partner, you may be able to also contribute on their behalf to an IRA or a Roth IRA or an HSA. And we've even seen people who are uh, married, let's say, let's say that one spouse has a 401k plan, the other spouse does not anymore, but they were both doing 5% in their 401k. Well, maybe now the spouse that has the 401k bumps up to 10%. So you still are still doing the same amount into the retirement account. It just happens to be in one person's. And there's some pros and cons to that, of course. But um, that's an idea as well. So there's a number of places depending on on your income and how much you're looking to save. But right off the bat, I think the Roth and the HSA will occupy thirteen or fourteen thousand a year, and then uh, and then beyond that, just to the regular brokerage account. Thanks for the question, Christina. If you have a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And uh, just like Christina, we can have the master OG answer it for you. Big thanks to everybody for hanging out with us today. Another long episode, but a fantastic discussion with Rashawn. Two quick things. Number one, make sure that you're getting the stacker because next week... I'm headed to New York City. I've got a uh, little New York th- City. Got a little thing on, that I've you know done. What that's from the the salsa. The salsa. You've never seen this the salsa commercial. I don't remember what it, the salsa is, but the salsa commercial where you know the can of salsas from New York City, and all the guys from Texas are like New York City. No, <laughs> no. nothing. Okay. Oh, I some did. people get that. <laughs> it's like. Peco salsa or something. I do. I I just I finally realized it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, man, that was. So a- you're going to New York Hold City. On. I am going to New York City for something else. Said, you know what? We haven't had a meet up there. Unfortunately, OG has other stuff planned. I asked you. <laughs> you did. Not. I totally did. You have such a like a crappy. I totally thought. No bull. I crap did oval. too. I told you two weeks ago, and you're like, oh, I can't make it. You. Never said that in a million years. You, I would go, but um, you okay. didn't say. Go. Uh, this go, is such. This is such radio then. covering your come, ace. Come with me then. 
Oh, well, do I get to know when it is? Because you haven't told anybody, you, including me, when you're going to be there. It's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Yes, it's next Tuesday. Oh, okay. It's going to be cool. at the financial gym. I don't have the time yet. Probably around seven o'clock. Bobby Rebel's going to join us for Money with Friends, so she is going to be there. A lot of our New York friends are going to be there hanging out with us, and we hope that you're going to be there too. First time hearing about it. It'll be OG, who is pretending he doesn't know about it, and uh, me. Make stuff up. This is what happens when you get old, though. So I don't blame you, but you need to write stuff down, man. Crap. It's such a bunch of crap. Show me the email. Show me the Slack message that said, I'm going to be in New York on this. I know why you're going. You did tell me that, but you didn't say, hey, I'm going to go and have a party and you're not invited. I mean, you're invited. You should come. You didn't say any of that. I totally did. But anyway. So selective memory. I have a big calendar. It's right here. It's like what, my whole just because, my whole life is planned. Just because you don't write stuff down, not my problem. Not not uh, not my problem. I think if we had a competition of whose calendar looked like it had stuff written down and who doesn't, I think I would win. That you have a calendar without stuff written down? Because let's take a look at my calendar. You've mm-hmm. seen my calendar. Does it specifically say scheduled with OG on yours? And did you invite me on the Google calendar to the I to didn't the know that I had to provide written proof of everything that that we uh that we discussed oh. it. From now on You should have somebody take a note for you and email it to me. Transcribe so all of our all of our conversations. Not just transcribe it just more like the things that you think <laughs> that you're doing. Like when you think about doing it, you should have somebody send it to me just as backup. Time to go. Oh, gee, may or may not be there. I might not. I might tell you. Now you're not coming. Yeah. And I'm going to show up and I'll be like, hey, I'm here for the party. And they'll be like, what party? There is no party. Joe canceled that party. Uh, Financial gym in Manhattan. Uh, You can Google that. Otherwise, if you get the stacker, uh, if you're in our online Facebook group, uh, the basement, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement, we'll get you there quickly. We'll have all the details on, on Tuesday. And you can week. learn about it the same time I do online. That's such a bunch of baloney. I'm going to sign up for the newsletter to make sure that I uh, get invited. We'll see everybody next time. Doug, take it from here. Oh, yeah. OG and his team accepting clients. <laughs> if you want to know just how crappy they are at remembering stuff, head to com forward slash OG. Well, you brought it. You started it. I don't have to remember stuff. I write stuff down. So And I get to do I get to do the read. All right, guys, let's take it from here, Doug. What should we have learned today? So, what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from Rashawn. While things may look bleak where you're standing now, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. Make yourself a plan, stick to it, and you'll find you too can be debt free and hustling. Second, take a lesson from our headlines. While there are plenty of great fintech options you can take advantage of, don't be fooled by all the companies throwing out financial buzzwords. Do your homework. But the big lesson? While roller coasters are uh, great at a theme park, riding the rails at Joe's mom's passive-aggressive game is exhausting. If I wash the windows, can we have some pretzels? I never should have offered. Look what a mess you've made, people. Special thanks to Rashawn Lee. You can find more from Rashawn at her site, learnhustlegrow.com, or through our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. 
check out their YouTube page as well. There's a lot of fun tips there, too. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahide, produced by Richie Rudder-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm wondering if KY Jelly is actually made in Kentucky. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. You never invited me, though. I totally did. No, you didn't. I told you I'm going. I said, hey, we're going to have a meetup. Can you go? And you go, when is it? And I said, the 28th. And you said, yeah, I can't do that. Never did you say that. I, we totally had that conversation. Nope. I, I would I would bring a whole bunch of character witnesses into this conversation. I can bring Doug. I can bring Gertrude, Richie. And I think that the vast majority of our team would say, if there's an error in this, it's going to be in your lap. Are you going or not? I don't know. Like I got to, I got to look at the schedule now. I mean, there's nothing on there, but it's you know. in two weeks. It's two weeks. Well, not exactly two weeks. You, it's like one week now. Yeah. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.